0: Our scripture this morning comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. You may be seated. Thank you for
1: being here for worship with us this morning. And um, I invite you to continue worshiping with us as we talk a little bit this morning about that whatever part of the scripture that you just heard. In that last verse, it says, Whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if you had the scripture in front of you and you skipped down to verse 23, Paul says this again in just a little different way, but basically the same meaning. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Whatever you do, whether it's chapel, whether it's the classes that you've already been to this morning or whether it is eating in the calf, um, playing games out on the lawn, going on a mystery bus tour on Friday evening. Yes! If you haven't signed up, sign up. Is that correct? Um, You don't want to miss the mystery bus tour. Playing on the athletic field, um, whatever it is, it is all a part of our worship of God. So we live in a very complex and a very divided world. You probably noticed that if you have paid any attention to the news over the last few months. This last year has been filled with senseless deaths, political campaigns promising to work magic overnight, name calling, multiple terrorist attacks with hundreds of deaths all around the world, wars, a refugee crisis, And all of this commented on publicly on our Facebook pages by individuals who might be our friends, or in many cases, they're a friend of a friend who is commenting, and many feel like they can be as disrespectful and hate-filled as they want on the pages of Facebook and other social media sites. It often appears that there's very little peace anywhere, and that the prospects for peace and love that Paul talks about here in Colossians is just a dream that could never be a reality. For just a brief couple of weeks this summer, we had a brief reprieve. Thank goodness. The news turned to Rio and the 2016 Olympics. We heard stories of the first team of ten refugees, individuals without a country, who were originally from South Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, and Syria, and they were able, as a group of 10, to compete in the Olympics, the very first time that people without a country had been able to compete. We're not only refugees. We are like everyone in the world, says Yusra Mardina, an 18-year-old swimmer from Syria. We can do something. We can achieve something. Last year, Yusra and her sister fled the civil war in Syria and were trying to cross the Aegean Sea from Turkey to the Greek island of Lesbos to seek asylum. Most of us have absolutely no idea what it would be like to need to seek asylum in such a way that you would put way too many people in a boat and set out on an unknown sea. As the dinghy's motor quit, she and her sister, also a swimmer, jumped into the water and swam for hours, towing the boatload of refugees to safety. And you've seen those pictures, and you have watched that throughout the Olympics. Yeek Beal, a 20-year-old refugee from South Sudan, despite having no shoes at the refugee camp where he lived, ran in the 800 meters in Rio. The highlight was meeting champions and competing with champions, he said but we have also shown the world refugees doing something very good so that people know refugees for who we are, he said. Can you sense in both of those statements a sense of being misunderstood and of a world that has an idea of what refugees are and who they are that is very different? from the very real people that in many cases are like you and I and have been caught in very unfair and difficult situations. While these are very inspirational stories, they also highlight the over 60 million refugees around the world who are displaced and many living in refugee camps in very difficult conditions. Should we be concerned? And should we be involved, even if it is in a small way, while we are still students here at Eastern Nazarene College? There were also heartwarming sights and stories of athletes hugging and congratulating teammates or roommates genuinely happy for someone else's recognition. A swimmer with numerous gold medals staying awake until 2.30 a.m. to congratulate her roommate who had just won her first gold. Stories of individuals rising rising above circumstances, being supported by family, mentors, and coaches all along the way. The story of an injured runner being supported to the finish line by another runner. Individuals showing a real depth of character rather than only being concerned about themselves. And then the Olympics are over, and we are right back to political news for the next few months. So um, we will try to remember other things are happening rather than just the politics that we see every day. So how does this impact us here at Eastern Nazarene College? What difference does it make in the way we move through our studies, engage in relationships, worship together in chapel? I would challenge you to think of ENC as a laboratory of sorts to engage in holistic learning and developing that will prepare you to engage complex issues in our world and work together toward resolution. We don't see a lot of that in our world today. ENC is a Christian liberal arts college. There's much talk today about whether or not you need a college education, and obviously you think you do and made a good decision, and if so, um, is a liberal arts education a smart way to go? So I want to talk to you today about a Christian liberal arts education and why it is one of the best preparations you can have to contribute positively to our very complex world. For starters, how many of you have your iPhone today? Now, don't look at it. Just kind of hold it up if you've got your phone with you today. Yeah. Most of us have one of these, and this will just do all sorts of, of things. Apple is known around the world for innovation. To quote Steve Jobs, it's in Apple's DNA that technology alone is not enough. It's technology married with liberal arts, married with the humanities, that yields us the results that make our heart sing. Do you ever think of one of your Apple products as making your heart sing? If you compare it with other products, sometimes you do. And nowhere is that more true than in these post-PC devices, he says. The next slide shows you an intersection of street signs um, that is quite often, if you Google Steve Jobs, liberal arts. You can come up with several of his annual State of the Apple addresses that, that he did. And almost every single time, he would use this particular graphic. Because he didn't just hire technical people. He knew that in order to have the creativity and innovation that goes into Apple products, he needed individuals that not only had technical skills, but needed the broad base of a liberal arts education. One of my favorites is a classic book entitled The Idea of a Christian College by Arthur Holmes. He was a philosophy professor at Wheaton College in Illinois. The book was first published in 1975 and then revised in 1987, which seems um, ancient to most of you, but the content remains quite relevant today. Technology is constantly changing and it's difficult to keep up, but liberal arts training is a way of thinking and solving critical problems. The methods remain fairly constant. And this broad way of thinking and problem solving called liberal arts education is exactly what Steve Jobs is referring to in his quote. You are actually among a very small group of individuals around the globe who have the opportunity to attend a Christian liberal arts college. But you may not be fully aware of what a Christian liberal arts college actually is. So um, let me read an excerpt from Dr. Holmes' book from a chapter entitled The Liberal Arts, What and Why. A typical college student sat in my office, he says. He had come to pre-register, and beneath his hesitation, I detected confusion about the purpose of education. Should he take another literature course or something in accounting? Why the history of philosophy or of art or anything else for that matter? He was majoring also in psychology, but why experimental psychology or personality theory when what he really wanted was to understand people so as to communicate more effectively? And some of you catch the irony there. What would he ever do with all this stuff anyway? Literature, history, philosophy, experimental psychology. Whatever use does it have in real life? And in particular, for the Christian. And I actually had this conversation with a couple of you yesterday afternoon in Mann's Student Center. Why critical writing? Why psychology? Dr. Holmes continues, I could have taken several approaches with this student. I could have asked Socratic style, What do you mean by real life? and I might have led him to see that literature and history and philosophy and psychology deal with reality to a larger extent and in deeper dimensions than any collection of how-to-do-it courses. I could have talked about the cultural mandate under which the first task to which God's grace has restored us as Christians is to glorify God in all our creatureliness— And therefore, to understand the creation and with heart and mind to join in the cultural undertaking of the human race. I could simply have pontificated that it's a liberal arts college and he should get a liberal education. But not being sure he would understand the implications of that, I suggested that his was actually the wrong question to ask about education. We are reminded by those who try to buffer us against the future shock that our present job skills will soon be outmoded and that the things we learn to do now will be vastly different in a few short years. Whether these prophets exaggerate or not, it is also true that the I, who in a few years will do something in real life, will then be a different I from the I that sits here today. My personality is not static, but dynamic, growing, changing. The question to ask about education then is not, what can I do with all this stuff anyway? But rather, in a world that is constantly changing, the question is, what will all of this stuff do to me? That question is basic to liberal arts education. What sort of person will I become by wrestling with this material? Notice here that it's not just for personal reasons of what you can get from education, and most of the time when you hear the media talk about education and whether it's a value or not, they're talking purely about financial value and whether or not you can get a job and make a lot of money. Education is about life. And preparing you for life, not only a job. Now this, what ever can I do with all this stuff question comes up in various disguises. Perhaps the most frequent is the vocational. What will history and literature and philosophy contribute to my work as a business person, a doctor, an engineer, teacher, or even a minister? Liberal arts education contributes far more than is sometimes supposed to many vocations. Moreover, we must never underestimate the importance of work. Its value in the order of creation is far greater than the value of just earning a living. A person's daily work, whatever it is, should be an offering to God, as well as service to others and means to one's own personal growth and dignity. Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord not men. And that's an all-inclusive statement that includes our work as well as our study, as well as our playtime. But to realize this is to uncover the fallacy in a purely vocational approach to education. The human vocation is far larger than the scope of any job a person may hold because we are human persons created in God's image to honor and serve God and other people in all we do, not just in the way we earn a living. Education has to do with the making of persons. Christian education with the making of Christian persons. Since this is what God's creative and redemptive work is about the making of persons in his own image, it follows that an education that helps make us more fully persons is especially important to Christians. Now, back in the early 70s, when I was in high school taking typing, and you can do the arithmetic pretty quickly in your head there. um, There's one of these. You can see the picture of a typewriter there, a manual typewriter. And some of you may have seen it at your grandmother's house in the corner of the garage or in an antique store. But that is actually all we had. And it had a ribbon on it. It had one font. If you wanted to make corrections, you had a little bottle of whiteout. Um, there were no copy machines. The You may have heard the phrase that some of us use that when the paper was not ready, you said to the faculty member or the teacher, the dog ate my paper. Well, you couldn't really say that today. You know, because you didn't have probably a physical paper that was your only copy. You would have to say, oh no, I I hit the wrong button and it erased everything that I had done for weeks and weeks and weeks on that. Um, So when I was the same year, senior in high school, um, we had one day where someone um, from a local store had given the teacher an IBM Selectric typewriter, which was the newest and greatest, and they brought that in, and a couple of us got to type on that. I still type with a very hard touch, even on a, a, a touchless, almost, keyboard, because I learned on a manual typewriter where you had to hit it very hard. And I learned to type in complete sentences, and so texting is not easy for me. And most of you probably never took a a typing class. Anybody take a typing class out there? Keyboarding, okay, you have, yeah. About the only thing my typing class helps me with on here is that I know where the letters are. Um, My thumbs don't work on here like your thumbs do where you can do things very quickly with two thumbs because I didn't learn this way. All of that has to do with technology and how we um, access technology. I also, if you see that little typewriter up in the um, corner there, it's a portable typewriter and it came in its little case and we could carry it around and I had one of those in my dorm rooms and actually typed papers for money for other students. And um, so life has changed considerably and that technology would not work for me today. Life is different. If I want to engage, I have to have up-to-date technology. This is much easier and it saves a lot of time. Of course, it wastes a lot of time because we do a lot of communicating that we don't have to, that we didn't do before. Um, But the questions that I learned 40 years ago at a liberal arts college um, are still pretty much the same today in many cases. When I began an MBA program and had a statistics class um, that we had to run all of our programs on, the computer was as large as a room, and it was located off-site. You had to go in, and you had to know how to write a, a statement in COBOL or FORTRAN. And I was not particularly good at that. And then you would write that statement. You would put it into the computer at night. Um, They would run it during the night. You would go back the next day. You had these. You've seen pictures of them, I know. You've heard stories um, in ancient history of these punched cards that we used. And I actually used those. You go back the next day and you had made one little coding mistake and nothing ran. And you had to start all over again. So you didn't actually um, wait till the last minute, or if you did wait till the last minute, you were in really big trouble, um, because you weren't gonna have your data done in time. Now the questions that I needed to ask, in order to get good data, back in those days, we used to say, garbage in, garbage out. In other words, your output is only as good as the input. If you aren't thinking through, the questions are the same. The methods that we have today of processing that data are much simpler than they were back in those days. But the questions that I learned to ask about how do I make sure that my data is not biased, how do I make sure that I am asking the right questions, the goal is the data, not the FORTRAN statement. And in liberal arts education, very often, those questions and the critical thinking processes that you learn, even the critical writing skills, because after you get that data, you're gonna to need to be able to write it up in a fashion that somebody can understand and utilize the data. Those skills don't change, and that is very why a liberal arts education is very important to you. So <clears throat> the focus is on the broad-based critical thinking and communication skills necessary to solve difficult issues in a very complex world. Thinking skills. What are the relevant questions rather than the quick and easy answer? Writing skills, can you effectively communicate by email or in a short summary report or in a more lengthy research report? Speaking skills, can you articulate your findings in a way that is understandable and promotes understanding rather than divisiveness? My undergraduate education prepared me well for graduate work in the professions and for the lifelong learning skills that I would need to remain abreast of what is happening in the world. Thankfully, I got more than skills just to learn to type on a manual typewriter. Today's world is very complex. I've said that several times. You know that. There are no easy answers. Have you listened recently to a politician talking about what they're going to do to make everything right in our economy and thought, yeah, that makes sense. And then you listen to the next one who says something that is almost completely opposite. And there are at least parts of it that you say, yeah, that makes sense. And some of them you just don't listen to anymore. We won't talk about that. Um, But it's very easy for anyone to take pieces of information that are true and put them together and make conclusions that are not true. And how would you know? How would you know unless you know what questions to ask, unless you have learned to critically evaluate? Sometime during the last year, I was watching a commentator give a timeline of US economic history and make some pretty interesting claims and conclusions. My background is in economics and I've studied and taught the history of economics, so I was at least somewhat familiar with the information he was giving. Every single fact that he put on the timeline was absolutely accurate. The problem is he left out several equally important factual pieces on the timeline that then give you a totally different conclusion. True information, factual information, faulty conclusion. and. That, again, liberal arts education prepares you to think critically. As Christians who value truth, it is our responsibility to openly ask questions and consider all relevant information rather than selecting the information that will support the conclusion we have already drawn. It's easy to do that if that's what you want to do. We're also called to use our mind and intellect to develop our research and critical thinking and speaking skills so as to be able to better discern truth. Our classes and every part of our education should be an act of stewardship and worship. A former ENC professor said it well. Dr. Eric Severson said, ENC is a liberal arts institution Committed to the belief that a broad base for education leads to students who are most vigilant, best prepared, and most aware of the complicated problems that we face in the world today. Back to the verse in Colossians. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Vigilant, best prepared, most Aware. Dr. Severson went on to say ENC's commitment to liberal arts is specifically Christian, which means compassionate, other centered, sacrificial, and eager to attend to the least of these the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and maybe, yes, even the refugee. A Christian liberal arts education is not just for your own personal betterment or enjoyment although it will be personally better and more enjoyable. It prepares you well to be an active participant in solving the complex issues of today and in the process of solving these issues to act in a humble, compassionate manner, understanding that each and every individual is a person of value, loved and created by God rather than becoming arrogant because of our great base of knowledge the truly educated christian becomes the humble servant again think about colossians 3:23 whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord not for men whether it's preparing for class performing your job practicing with your athletic team engaging in classroom dialogue Yes, that's a good thing for you to participate in classroom dialogue, interacting socially, or attending required chapel. Christian liberal arts education believes in holistic education that includes our mind, our physical health, our emotions, and very importantly, our spiritual growth and development. And let me just go back to the required chapel. I've seen the chapel schedule and I have experienced chapel over the last few years. It will be worth your while even if it was not required. You would want to be here. Don't think of general education courses as just something to get behind you. You have a great faculty sitting here behind me who are committed to the integration of the liberal arts and the Christian faith. They're passionate about the fact that as Christians, we must train our minds to ask the relevant questions and be able to articulate what we believe about our faith as well as about issues in the world around us. They will push you hard to ask the difficult questions, to think beyond the obvious, and some days you may leave class very, very frustrated. Sometimes it may take you a few days to really understand the underlying concepts they're pushing you to evaluate, and sometimes it might even take you most of the semester. The light will dawn for individual members of the class at different points in time because we are all individuals coming from a different perspective. Don't resist the struggle. The struggle is a very important part of the learning process Learn to ask questions rather than easily accepting what might appear to be obvious. And whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Difficult issues we find ourselves seeing today all around us require individuals able to see beyond the obvious and creatively think through long-term solutions. A Christian liberal arts education provides the broad foundation and critical thinking skills needed to make our world a better place, not just to give you a job for the future. As Christians, we should be using our mind and developing in a way that contributes to the well-being of everyone, not just ourselves. We have a great opportunity within this diverse community of learners and Christians called ENC to think together, to listen and learn from each other, to grow as Christ followers, while at the same time challenging each other to dream dreams and develop visions and plans of how we can solve complex social issues one small step and one person at a time. So often the problem seems so large that it's overwhelming and we forget that the solution to every problem begins one small step one person at a time and just continuing that way. I invite you now to stand and sing this final hymn of consecration as we begin this exciting new academic year and journey together.